And welcome to another exciting episode of A Battle of the Atom. This is the weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach and Adam. Hey, yo. I'd like to welcome you. I'd like to welcome you to the premier New Age religion podcast about X-Men. <laughs> is that where we are now? I feel like we're changing what... themes every episode now. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a bit I've been working on. I have uh <laughs> hold on. Let me let me check real quick how many I have potential themes written out for. Uh up to eighty seven. Wow. Ooh. I got are... bored at lunch one day. It's almost like we're living in the future, Zach. It's like we're living in the days of the future, but we're in the past still. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Like a certain character who comes back from the future and has different motivations for doing so depending on who writes him. Hmm. It's like it's like a character who's some sort of conduit, a cable perhaps. Yes. From the from the past to the present, <laughs> from the present to the future, and from you, the future to the anti-future, which is the fourth future for which we should all fear. Are you talking about Nathan Christopher Charles Ascani Sun Summers? I'm talking about Nathan Christopher Charles Dayspring Ascani Sun oh, Summers. Yes. Oh, I forgot what Dayspring. You spring. forgot the Dayspring. I forgot the Dayspring. <laughs> Have I Sorry. told you that my phone, my phone's autocomplete just does his whole name? <laughs> that's so funny. No, but sure. That, that, that seems appropriate, doesn't it? I call him by his full name enough. Uh, he's a good boy and I love him. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad that he's dead. I'm not as much of a fan of his teen self, but to be fair, I'm not sure there's anyone in the world whose teen self I like more than their adult self. All right. Well, let's be clear. Cable is not dead. Cable is just Cable. He's still Cable. He's just Kid Cable. And uh, in the infamous uh, <laughs> naming that Chris Edelman gave him on the Young Ones podcast recently, we're going to nickname him Dial-Up. Uh, I, I think that's his that's new name. That's pretty good. I, <laughs> I was I was going for basic. No, wait. Basic cable is what I called Nate Gray because he basic. Ooh. Uh, never mind. I, I screwed up that goof, guys, and I'm really sorry about that. But we got to get that X-Men content that I know you crave. You're not getting enough of it as we are on the cusp of this age of X-Men. That's right. That's right. Uh, anyway, yeah, we're going to be talking about some cable stories. Yeah, uh, we some... could goof about We could goof about cable for a while, but we aren't. I like Cable. I'm uh, glad so, we're talking about Cable, because I hadn't read these Cable stories, so this is fun. I I had only read one of these, uh, mm -hmm. and I like the one I've read. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to get into it, but all three of these stories come to us from Patreon supporter HyperViper89. He is at the top tier of our Patreon support. Nice. So, number one, Mr. HyperViper, you're the best. Maybe spend your money better. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Why am I encouraging people not to give me money? <laughs> yeah, Zach. Uh, I have a degree in business. I should know better. <laughs> Got to work on Someone that PowerPoint have called presentation. Someone me a master. <laughs> oh, oh, man. All right. Anyway, uh, no, Hyper Viper. 
great name, by the way. Very good that you made that up at what I assume was like eight, but it it rules. It is yeah, way better kind of... than whatever screen name I had at eight. <laughs> that sounds like an AIM screen name if I've ever heard one, and I love it. Oh uh, no, it's it's choice. It is choice, <laughs> Hyper Viper. But he picked three stories, and we're covering those three, and they're there's a lot. Oh yeah. Uh this first one I had never heard of and I was shocked by it. So uh this is what volume is this? Of Marvel Team Up? Yes. This is volume three. This is this is volume three of Marvel Team Up, number nineteen. Uh it is nineteen ninety one a Freedom Ring Prelude by Robert Kirkman, who's known for having a very successful television program. And Corey Walker. Uh, it did not come out in 1991. It came out in 2006. Yes. However, Corey is uh, very specifically doing a very, I would say, a very good visual reference back to the X-Force issue that Mike Mignola uh, did over Rob Liefeld's layouts. And I yep. mean, you know, from the very first splash pa- splash page, where we are in 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 the timeline, right? Um, or or what he's referencing, at least, it, it's fun. Oh yeah, yeah, I picked up on that one pretty quick. Uh, hold on, Marvel Team Up Volume Two, which I just looked because I wasn't sure what Volume Two was. Uh-huh. Issue One is a team up between Spider Man and Generation X, which I've never read. So, Ooh. uh, gotta get that. Getting gotta on get that, that. gonna 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 check if that's on that app uh anytime anytime soon we're gonna get back to that we should get back to the story though i do believe uh adam what happens in this very 1990s story all right so if you remember back from that mignola uh x-force issue it was the very first time that we got a glimpse of cable returning to his future base with his sort of robot helpers that are named after the x-men and right on page two we're back in there. Same color scheme, same, you know, blocky art style that Mignola brings to the table. Um, you know, it's it's still clearly like a different artist, but it's got enough of that style that you know exactly where and when we are. Um, the yes. reason Wolverine is in this is because he and Jubilee are trying to make sure that they can secure a fragment of a cosmic cube that uh, unfortunately is being uh, attempted to be stolen by the Mandarin and uh, Cable goes in to help because I guess his robots told him that Wolverine almost died in this encounter in the past and that uh, they should go and help him. So I've got some thoughts about this. Yeah, go for it. And my thoughts, my thoughts, obviously this says prelude and I know that this Mandarin story continues in Marvel team up and I did not read it mm-hmm. uh, because I had a lot of comics to read and I was like, finally a one shot. I can get through it. I uh, don't care about the Mandarin, so I don't need to move forward. But as I've percolated on this, we know what Wolverine and Jubilee were doing in 1991. They were hanging out in Madripoor. Uh, and we also know what the Mandarin was doing. He was doing acts of vengeance on Psylocke. Yes. So what is... This story the... can only happen over like a day. <laughs> and then both characters go and meet each other later and do bigger and better things. Because the Mandarin is trying to forge his 11th ring. Yeah. I, I also think that Cable's reasoning for coming back is really weird. 
you know, his his decision to come back is basically like, well, Wolverine kind of almost died this one time, so you should go like nudge history in the right direction. And it's like, that's not usually what Cable's all about. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't normally just jump into a situation because he thinks Wolverine might get hurt extra bad. So <laughs> he's going to go I- team up, but it's a good excuse, I guess. I don't know. Can I tell you what I think is weird about how some people view Cable? Yeah, please. Some people call him a time cop. Mm. And here's the thing about Cable. I've read nearly every Cable story. Yes. Like, I'm I'm less than 50 issues that Cable is in that I have not read, and they aren't the primary ones. We're talking weird one, one-off team-ups. So I feel like I've got a pretty firm grasp on who he is as a character. Yeah. He's normally not a time cop. He's normally just a soldier guy and sometimes a messiah. Uh, but, like, he doesn't jump back and forth throughout the time stream preventing things from happening. And it's weird that this comic and the most recent uh, Cable series as a whole thinks he does that. Well, I think that in Extermination, you know, it it can work if only because we are being introduced to a new version of Cable. You know, a younger, more brash Cable who probably has different ideas about what he should be doing with his time. Um, But the existing older Cable, you're right, has never served as a quote unquote time cop and and correcting anything except for going back and, you know, either trying to mentor Sam or trying to prevent Apocalypse from taking over the world. You know, other than that, what else is he course correcting, you know? He doesn't deal in minutia. Yeah, not much. He deals in big guns and explosives. <laughs> or sometimes small guns and spears. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, this Man, issue... We're gonna cover that era of Cable at one point, not in this episode. But there's a point in the late 90s where they turn Cable into a Jack Kirby character, yeah. and it rules. That artwork is amazing. It absolutely rules. Yeah. I, I think if you're gonna check this issue out, you're doing it mainly because the artwork is just... It's cool. I mean, if you're a fan of that Mignola issue, you're going to want to check this out. And because it's done extremely well, even if the story itself doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, you know, whatever. I mean, Jubilee is fun here. She gets to dress up in a, you know, in an oversized Hydra outfit. Uh, There's some fun stuff happening here, but it's light. Yeah, light's the right word on this. Yes. There's not a lot going on. So uh, we, where do we where do we want to rank it? Well, we recently did another cable story, The Long Way Home, which featured sort of a, a, a you know an after party for Genosha, um, Cable twenty six twenty eight. That's at one fifty seven. Uh, you think this is better or worse than that? So I think this is better. Than, or no, no, I think this is worse than Cable: The Long Way Home because right. Cable: The Long Way Home has Sugar Man. And I do like it. I think this. I think the. I don't think the story is there in this Marvel team up because here's the here's the dirty secret about Robert Kirkman. Uh, Walking Dead's very popular. Yes, I have heard Invincible is actually very good. I've mm-hmm. not read it. Uh, pretty much every Robert Kirkman Marvel comic I've read. It's not great. Mm. It's, it's it's not great. Uh, the only one I think I remember liking is the irredeemable Ant Man, and I feel like if I read that today, I'd be like, I'd be a little iffier on it <laughs> than I was. Uh, but no, I think this is, I think this is worse than 
uh, The Long Way Home on our list of 186 stories, starting with Days of Future Past and ending at The Draco. We do have another team up down at 160, uh, Spider-Man team up number one. This is better or worse than that. 160. Okay, Spider-Man team. Spider-Man team up number one. Yeah, that story is uh, indecipherable. Uh, so this is probably better than that. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, like, I don't think it's better than Judgment War. And I don't like Judgment War all that much. <laughs> all right. Well, that makes it our new uh, 160. I think that's probably a good place for it on the list. I think that'll work. This is uh, Marvel Team-Up Volume 3, number 19. A a spot on our list, respectable or not. Uh, next up. Next up is a story by Mike Carey, Chris Pichalo, and Clayton Henry for one issue. It's X-Men 188 to 193 supernovas oh right this is this is the story that everybody uh got so mad at me that i hadn't actually read all of jeez i need i need to hear your thoughts on it before i have my thoughts i (laughs) i'm i'm i am seeding you the floor all right let's talk about supernovas guys uh this is uh bachalo doing a lot of fun bachalo stuff we get rogue creating her uh you know sort of like you know hit squad x-men group with mystique and saber tooth and cable and that's that's why we talk about this because cable's on it and uh i thought this was a lot of fun i mean i've heard people talk about this um with such admiration and and uh and awe almost and um i thought it was really great very engaging fast moving story um the villains are very chris bachalo um, oh the children of the vault who it's just chris bachalo opened up his sketchbook and he said this one this one perfect we're gonna use these (laughs) yeah exactly um so you know it's a little bit weird when the art switches for one of the issues but um i feel like he's in like top form here and it's a really fun action-packed adventure i i liked it a lot yeah uh here's the thing i love this story yeah and i can i can tell you why all right uh on on my journey from guy who read about X-Men but hadn't read much X-Men to guy who is me, uh, Supernovas was one of the things that pushed me over the edge. Like, I, had, I picked it up on a book swap. Someone was selling uh, the entire Mike Carey run, which you can get in two volumes. One of them holds, like, the first three arcs and one of them holds the last arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked it up, still have them, they're great, and I just devoured them, because it was different. This is not the X-Men you expect. This is Rogue making a team that shouldn't work, because here's her team. Here's her team. It's Rogue. It's Cannonball. It's Iceman. It is Cable. Pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Like, weird team, but like, okay, I like those dynamics. Then you get the Omega Sentinel, you get Lady Mastermind, you get Mystique and you get Sabretooth. And explicitly, Rogue saying, yeah, I don't trust half of these people, but <laughs> and it's post MA. And telling them to their face, too. Oh, yeah, no. She looks at Mystique and says, you're literally on this team because I feel like I have to babysit you. Yeah. And Sabretooth, you're here because, like, 
do you want to punch these people too? And look, there's only 198 mutants left, so we're not in the best place to be picky. <laughs> if you cross us, we have a cable, uh, which is very good. Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler since you've read uh, Messiah Complex. This goes very bad for Rogue. <laughs> this yes. goes very bad for her very quickly. Yeah. Uh, after like two two missions, this completely falls apart. But it's such a weird, unique take. It has villains who, they don't hate mutants. They just, they evolved kind of parallel to mutants in essentially the world, but on a boat. Yeah, the Conquistador, uh, which is their... their the Conquistador. Yeah, their, their floating battleship in which... All right, here's a question for you, because um, without spoiling the end of the story, have the Children of the Vault ever come back in X-Continuity? They they have. They there was have. a Mike. There was a Mike Carey story, probably three years later, that followed this up in his X Men Legacy run. Any good? It's not as good as Supernovas. Okay. Uh, it's it's fine. It's actually it's actually a really good story for uh, what's his name, uh, Indira. He's one of the new X Men kids. He is from, I believe, India, but it's it's a it's a good it's a good story there. It's not the best, but I like I do like that all of these guys are Spanish mm-hmm. or Hispanic uh, yeah. because like why would everyone who's an evil villain and like has been doing genetic work only come from America? <laughs> yeah. Like it, it adds some flavor and some uniqueness to them that mm-hmm. I think is pretty cool. I think Bajalo's style. I mean, look, I've praised him on this show several times. I found out that he was going to be at a con that I'm going to to be at and i flipped so i'm i'm a big fan of the guy i think he's pretty dope and this is one of the stories that really cemented that it's a unique take on x-men it's a really cool pitch it does great work for rogue like this is the this is the real driving thing where like it makes sense that in a few years later rogue leads the avengers well i was just gonna say that um this really did seem to be a really good antecedent to um, the Uncanny Avengers, especially Volume 3, which I'm a huge fan of, um, that has Cable on the team. You know, it, it has that kind of flavor of it, you know, which is just Rogue's kind of like weird squad. And I, I love that dynamic. I, I love when she's leading a team like this. Yeah, I I think it... I, I interviewed Mike Carey. He was actually the first guy I ever interviewed. It's a bad interview. You can find it on the website. Uh, it's not good. Audio quality is bad. Uh, my interviewing skills are bad. Mike Carey's a great sport. But he talked about this as essentially being a team that has a stable core mm-hmm. of like Rogue Cannonball Cable, kind of Cable, and Iceman. But like beyond, beyond those three, three and a half, everyone else, you don't know what they're going to do. Well, the, you, you have this, no this idea story what their play is going to be, and it makes for interesting stories. This story introduces Omega Sentinel, right, as an individual character, not as a concept. No, she was, but she was actually introduced in two thousand, I believe, in Claremont's. Oh, okay. Uh, I I believe the person who, yeah, she got turned into the Omega Sentinel in a either X Men Unlimited or an annual that Claremont did during his return mm-hmm. that. Uh, gave the backstory for uh, the third uh, Thunderbird, who is a Thunderbird from the 
you know, subcontinent of India who only has Thunderbird because they had to give him a name at the last second. <laughs> and in a, an incredibly bad way, they made the same mistake that Christopher Columbus made and said, well, the other Thunderbirds have been Indian, so let's give this Indian guy this name. Hmm. Yeah. Which it's yeah. as problematic as all get out. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, he was supposed to be named after the Hindu fire god, but they didn't want to do that kind of at the last minute. Okay. Anyway, but she was introduced there and then when Claremont did his Excalibur book that was set on the ruins of Genosha, mm-hmm. she came back there. And then this is where she gets re-re-brought it back into it. Okay. She's interesting. I like her. She is. I, I really do like uh, Karima Shandipar. She's a she's a pretty pretty cool concept and a great design. Pachalo does does work with her. Maybe not in this this set of issues, but in other places, he really shines with that character. I I love the way he is is propelling the action throughout this entire thing, and it just keeps building and building until you get to these massive full bleed pages and double page spreads of like this this conflict with the battleship at the end it's so cool um and yet there's all of these like tiny little character moments that really do work you know cable and sabertooth facing off um you know before they let sabertooth join the team you've got this ongoing subplot that cannonball got hijacked into like marrying one of the children of the vault in uh you know, via Lady Mastermind's powers, you know, for an entire lifetime, even though it was like five minutes long. It, just fascinating, cool stuff like that throughout that really still works and, and makes the story uh, that much more deep and interesting. Yeah, uh, it's great. If you haven't read Supernovas, go read Supernovas and then go read at least the rest of Mike Carey's adjectiveless X-Men run. Mm-hmm. His, his legacy runs also very good, uh, but... I think Supernovas and that era is, it's, it's a it's a hidden gem as far as I I'm concerned. Adam, let's look at the list. I've got to know your ceiling. I like this a lot. I mean, you know, I like that Chris Pachalo art, and I like He's this story good. a lot. So why don't we why don't we give this its due and compare it to another classic Pachalo that's up in our top twenty five, which is Generation X one to three? Is this better or worse than those three issues? I think this is better than those three issues. I do I, too. I do too. I legitimately so, do. All right. So we got to start thinking about this in terms of context, because we've got a lot of classic stories up here. And I think this probably deserves to be among them. I mean, similar to when we uh, ranked Messiah Complex and ended up in our top 10, I think this has some potential. So how high are you wanting to go here? I know this has, uh, you know, this sounds like it has not only the basis for um, some nostalgia, but, you know, it's also... Just objectively very good. Right. I'm going to say, and this this is me putting a ceiling on it that I could not be argued with above this point. Not okay. that it needs to go one under this. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as Messiah Complex at number eight. <laughs> okay. I, don't... I do think yeah, it's ahead. better than Cockrum's Nightcrawler 1 through 4 at 15. I think it's also better than at 13, 
we have uh, the first three issues of Colin Bunn's Magneto. Um, Those are dope. Those are good stories. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I'm a little bit hesitant to put this above Mutant Massacre or uh, New Mutant Slumber Party. What are your thoughts there? I think this is better than the Mutant Massacre. Okay. Because this has an ending and the Mutant Massacre doesn't. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I like the Mutant Massacre. Again, we're in the top 20 right now. We like all these stories a lot. Like, yes. I'm I'm pretty sure pretty much anything in the top 20 could be argued as the best X-Men arc story of all time. And most people would sit there and say, okay, I'll give I'll give that a listen. All right, I'm going to tell you the highest that I'd be willing to go. I don't think this is better than Dark Angel Saga. So I would be willing to put it ahead of Colossus and Juggernaut in Uncanny 183. Um, but That's we've, where I'm at. We've kind of used that as a ceiling to keep things out of the top 10 before. That's how Slumber Party s- ended up at 11. So is this that's, our new that's top That's the one that I'm... That bar issue is really good. He juggernaut hits Colossus with the actual bar. <laughs> um, um, I I don't know if I if I want to put this above Slumber Party either. Like I my brain is going to number twelve. Um, I think I think that's the that's kind of where I'm feeling. And okay, guys, I love Supernovas. Go read Supernovas because. <laughs> It's. I was afraid Adam wasn't going to like it, dude. That's why on. I had him go first. <laughs> you know this I has mean, stuff. Look, I we've like. disagreed before. <laughs> we've disagreed before, and as I was rereading it, it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. I was. I really was. I was looking through. It's like, man, I really hope I don't have to argue about this one because <laughs> I think all this is dope. I mean, let's let's be. Anyway, frank. it's our number twelve. Yeah. If if the Chalo's in the party, I, I'm I'm going to be pretty. Uh pretty into it right um all right so anybody who was uh you know after me because i hadn't read this i've read it now folks i've read it and i loved it so there you go number 12 it's a good story. you look people shouldn't be getting after you bare minimum you've read 188 x-men stories that's pretty good <laughs> well and that's why i do the show so i can read stuff like supernovas it's my it's my homework assignment um all right, this last one was one that uh, I had also not read, which is an arc of... I would not read it either. Yeah, an arc of Cable and Deadpool um, by Fabian Nicieza called... Burnt... Friend of the show, Fabian Nicieza. <laughs> burnt Offering? The Burnt Offering. What's going on here, Zach? Yeah, so this is Cable and Deadpool 7 through 10 by Fabian Nicieza and with art by Patrick Searcher, whose cousin did my son's baby pictures. Oh, That's the only Patrick Zercher story I know. <laughs> I like that. That was good. Um, the baby pictures turned out great. I don't know if him and his cousin are on good terms. So, Patch, if you're listening to it, Nick and his wife did a very good job. Hmm. Um, why is, why is Cable, like, X-Man here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... I. I I think I don't know if I told Fabian this in our interview or not, but I'm not read Cable and Deadpool. It was it was just here's the truth, guys, and this is coming out sooner rather than later. Not a big Deadpool fan. I think Gary Duggan writes a really good Deadpool. Don't much care for many other Deadpools. Hmm. 
Like, I'm reading that Scotty Young stuff on the app, and, uh, I'm missing, I'm missing the Deadpool that was sad. <laughs> I, I don't hate this Deadpool, but it's still, like, I don't know. It is what it is. I didn't, I, Dead- I, I didn't, uh, not enjoy this. That was a big double negative. I actually enjoyed this to a certain extent. Um, Cable has basically, like been turned into the mutant messiah here and is is pulling a, yeah. a phoenix five on the world basically like fixing all the world's problems he really is um but it's kind of a, i don't even know is it a is it a trick like it's i, I don't know deadpool joins the x-men there's a new six pack which i don't like um and there's some very yeah, the new six packs not great. There's some weird interactions when when Cable and Cyclops finally come uh, to you know to a head and have to uh, confront each other here. And I, I don't know. Do you do you know the context of this? Like, how did Cable become basically like superpowered Jesus here? I do, and this is actually a long running thing, which okay. is interesting. Yeah. So I. I went on a big cable read uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the end of cable, the original series, and then in the Soldier X series, uh, cable was kind of, he became trying to find his place in the world, kind of being a soldier to a few different places. Uh, but eventually he got rid of his techno organic virus and uh... he unleashed his potential he used his powers in weird ways that he's never done again, which is odd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he started to position himself as, I'm just going to be a savior of people. Like, I'm just going to protect people yeah. and try and make people better to avoid my future. And there's some interesting ideas in it. And also, I am not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think, I think, think it's like, okay, cool. I don't like this. And then uh, I going into this, so that, that pretty much ends... And then Cable and Deadpool starts up, and the first arc of Cable and Deadpool is about Cable just deciding, yeah, screw it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, kind of just do it my way and become a mix of X Men in the current Uncanny X Men series, which I guess wraps up this week as, that we're uh, that this gets aired. Oh yeah, who knows what's gonna happen? We're about to enter the age. We are going. They're they're. <laughs> We cannot avoid this brand that I have thrust upon us, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but he starts kind of acting like that mixed with the Phoenix Five. Like, he builds his own floating island out of a crashed spaceship. Mm-hmm. Uh, he starts inviting people there and starts fixing the world's problems and starts also threatening the world, which well, is not a good look. Yeah, and I, I guess that that is my question about this arc. Um, you know, it made... A, a little more sense to me in uh, Avengers versus X-Men, why people were freaked out by the Phoenix five. Um, I'm not as convinced here that cable is, is a huge threat that needs to be stopped by any means necessary, including bringing in silver server. Uh, like, yeah, he's not, he's not being particularly aggressive about no, what he's doing. No, he's not like, also, why is the silver surfer listening to shield? I found that a little strange. You know, it it implies that that Cable's powers have like cosmic repercussions, and they don't. Like, hey, far be it from me 
to criticize the idea of having Silver Surfer fight Cable in a fist fight. That sounds fine. Yeah, you we know? didn't mention that that happens. That's, yeah. That's pretty dope. When I turned the page and saw Silver Surfer, I was like, okay, what's happening now? Yeah, because it's, that's it's a, cool. You don't, you don't pull that gun unless you're really ready to fire it. <laughs> he's the... He's he's like when Superman shows up in a C-list DC comic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we got to deal with this. That's what the Silver Surfer is, because no one else is that combination of too powerful for literally anyone and odd and unknowable and like majestic in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Love him. Um, I think He's dope. I, I think there's two things going on here. One is that I like the idea of Cable becoming, you know, sort of this uh, benefactor to the world going in and disarming, you know, nations and things like that. It, it is similar to what we're seeing right now in, in uh, the Uncanny X-Men disassembled. But the the core of the story is told from Deadpool's POV. And his part of the story is basically to put together a machine that will lobotomize Cable at the end of it. Um, and that's not as interesting. You know, like the the X-Men are in this and they have to face off against Cable. And I'm much more invested in that part of the story. Um, Let me me ask you this. Yeah. Do the X-Men, give or take the time that Cyclops gets really frustrated that he has to help out Deadpool. (laughs) uh, Give or take that. Do the X-Men feel off to you? Because they felt off to me. Well, especially when... Cyclops has to have this, you know, conversation with his son about what's going on. And it doesn't seem like it quite nails that relationship, you know, and and how we've seen those two characters talk to each other. So um, the the X-Men are more like window dressing here, you know, in a Deadpool story that involves Cable becoming a messiah, which seems like it should be inverted, you know, like. I, you were saying before that you enjoy Deadpool much more when he's a, like a bit player in another thing. Like I mentioned Uncanny Avengers before volume three. That's where I like Deadpool. You know, I like yep. him as sort of like the the bantery guy on the side. I don't necessarily want to follow him as he like goes on his missions and, you know, everybody else is a side character that 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 is not as enjoyable for me as an X-Men fan. Also, 2004 Deadpool definitely talks like he was written in 2004, and there is some stuff that did not age well. (laughs) You mean like the Olsen twin jokes? The Olsen twin jokes, the weird kitty pride jokes. There's Deadpool. Deadpool makes a lot of weird sexual comments about young, young girls, and that's not super great. Yeah, boy. Yeah. It, yeah it's a thing here yeah. um I, I do think i do think zercher's art in this is pretty good give or take an uncomfortable beast that beast is always sort of like grinning and in, in a weird way right it's, it's a little odd okay okay i i, I made this i made this illusion online mm-hmm. beast looks like he is like furry art <laughs> he really does <laughs> Like, he looks like he's someone's cat avatar. <laughs> and if you're into that, more power to you. It's a weird look on Beast, and it does not 
not really mesh well with the rest of this comic. If I could go it's back- It's a little aesthetic differences. Oh, hold on, though. If I could go back to um, the Supernovas for a second, Bachalo's cat beast is also very strange <laughs> and looks like- really cat-like in ways that i don't know like it's always interesting to see how artists uh interpret the different evolutions of beast especially the the most current one with like the pointy ears or whatever that i feel like every artist draws very differently i feel like cat cat beast had the most deviations from the model (laughs) yeah yep like i was i was flipping through uh what was it for something else i'm writing uh a heroic age uncanny x-men one shot mm-hmm. and there is a story in there with uh cat beast and molly hayes the best runaway and beast is written with like a or drawn with like a two foot long snout oh oh man it's weird mm. that's not this story though uh all right, so we've we've explained this story, and I think we've explained what our reservations are with it. And I, you know, they stem mainly from the fact that you know Deadpool is not an X Man, and we would prefer him to be pushed off to the you side. You say that. You say that in this issue, he does legitimately become a member of an X Men team, yes. and wears multiple X Men uniforms, including Jean Grey's Marvel Girl uniform, which is <sighs> it's a thing. That happens. It's uncomfortable um, to look at. It's a pretty decent gag, but I hate it. <laughs> like, and he's not wrong. That is funny. And give, give I hate uh, it. And don't do that to me, Fabian. Fabian, give, my man, my man, don't do that. You got to give Fabian some credit here, though. He does uh, at least spend the time to take down Deadpool and remind him that he's not an X Man and that he is not a mutant. Um, <laughs> this is really just sort of like the X Men doing him a solid because they feel a moral obligation not to leave him bleeding on the lawn. And even then, it's only with some coaxing where Scott Summer has to say, yeah, I we, guess. We, how bad <laughs> is it if we leave him? And Beast is like, it's questionable. Yeah. Crap, okay. We're trying to be superheroes in 2004 because Astonishing X-Men's going on, so right. I guess we'll save him. All right, so... Uh, yeah, anyway, where does this go? Well, we don't... I don't think we've done any Deadpool stories yet other than Uncanny X-Force, right? Have, has Deadpool appeared uh, on this, this is, list? This is worse than Uncanny X Force. I'll say that. Oh, pretty unreservedly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't. I don't think Deadpool showed up in Battle of the Atom, and this is worse than Battle of the Atom. Yes, I would agree. Um, where is where is Battle of the Atom? It's eighty one. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of. It's fitting that Battle of the Atom is darn near the midpoint of this like of that. this list. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, all right. I I am looking lower than that. Um, you know what I think is a good good comparison point? I ha- I feel if like I, I have a good it. one too. Um, I want to hear yours. Right. I want to hear if they're the same. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man Jump the Shark. <laughs> Not the same at all. Not the same at all. Kind of Where same is, immature. What number is that? Approach. That's a what 114. Okay. Yeah. I was just one. I think this is worse than Jump the Shark. I like Jump the Shark. Okay. How do you feel about it compared to Phalanx Covenant Final Sanction at 128? Um, Which is Wolverine and Cable and Cyclops and Jean Grey attack a mountain. Oh, boy. You know, where did we... Uh, just last episode, we put Uncanny X-Men Quarantine at 131. 
and I feel like that was better than this. So yeah, I like I liked quarantine. So more. Yeah, I think Final Sanction is better, but I think I'm going even lower here. Um, how does it stack up against Enter the Void? I like Enter the Void more, but I like where you're looking because right under that is the Aveng- the X Men versus the Avengers one through four mm-hmm. at one thirty seven, and I think this is better than that. All right. All right, I think that's a good spot for it in the list. Um, just looking at what's immediately below that. So this is our new one thirty-seven. This is our new one thirty-seven. It's Cable and Deadpool, uh, seven through ten, burnt offering. Nice. All right, so, and that does it. Yeah, there was. We some... had a mix of stories on this list. Yeah, that was interesting. That was that was a weird episode. Cool stuff. It was, but I I liked it. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, I want to I wanna thank one last time HyperViper89 yeah. for giving us these stories. It was fun. He got this by going over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files. I can tell you he pitched in at the $25 a month tier uh, where not only do you get your own episode every quarter, but you get to just choose all three. We'll, we'll, we'll coax you into having a theme, and I think everyone's liked that. But you, you, get, a, you get a kind of pick them all which is an interesting uh interesting tweak on that uh so thank you for that if you wanted to support the show if you like what you've heard you don't have to throw in 25 dollars a month you can throw in like two and we'll do a whole episode around one story that you suggest Mm -hmm. if you throw in one dollar you'll get access to the battle of the atom book club where you get early access to what stories we're going to be covering every week so you can read along with the hosts and you also get access to uh the uh, what are they called? The question and answer segments. I think my first one of those is going to go up uh, like the last week of January. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Those are going to be live interactive uh, videos that are going to be exclusive to patrons for at least a while. I'm still sorting out the full long term distribution plan if you don't want to jump on that. Or maybe it's just exclusive content for you good, good folks who, uh, who pay for it. That could be the case, too. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but you can do that. It's going to be uh, fun. If you like all of what you've heard, the best thing you can do, though, beyond anything else, go tell a friend. Got someone who likes X-Men in your life? Say, hey, guys, there's these two boys. There's <laughs> these two boys, and they're talking about X-Men. <laughs> and I really think you might you might enjoy their content, their specific brand. But you know what? If you can't, you can't. And that's fine. I don't have anyone that I'd recommend my podcast to in real life. Like, to tell you the truth, just so you don't feel bad if you don't have X-Men friends, all of mine live on this beautiful place called the Internet. (laughs) Adam, where can people find you on that beautiful place? All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacey. Uh, New pages of Bish and Jube's Attack on the Mansion every X-Men Monday. We're getting closer and closer to uh, the ending of that story and the beginning of the fifth issue. And uh, just started a Patreon. So if you would like uh, artwork sent right to your inbox on an almost daily basis, uh, just head on over to patreon.com slash Adam Wreck. And uh, that was a pretty good story. Where What are we doing next week, Zach? 
Well, next week, you can probably find out that I'm still going to be at XavierFiles.com, which is the website where I have all of my information. We messed this up two weeks in a row. I was going to say, I, I was like, last week I threw it back to you and you had done it already. And I was like, oh, I, I actually know. did that on purpose to see what you would do. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah. You fell right into my trap. You, you and your X-Man fleece blanket. Uh, where, where, my, can, where can my people... son's taking over that blanket, by the way. Like, day one, he saw it. I went to work. It was still sitting out in our living room because we hadn't put it away yet. And he grabbed it for his nap time. And it's now... Tis. My my son now sleeps with an X-Man blanket every night, and I can't get it away from him. It's his now, it's, Zach. It's disconcerting, I'll tell you that much. All right, let me throw uh, it... Anyway... I'll throw it back to you. Where can people find you, Zach? People can find me at XavierFiles.com. Uh, that's where you got all the latest and greatest in X-Men news, articles, uh, things of that nature. It's also where the archive of this podcast and the master uh, X-Men list is uh, just to see where we've ranked everything. Or, I mean, that link's also in the episode notes. Just scooch on over there, hit it. Normally I write something funny in the episode notes, so you can enjoy that too. Maybe it's not humorous this week and I'm making a fool out of myself. <laughs> Who will know? I won't remember if I said this by the time I actually edit it, so we'll see. Uh, also on Twitter at Xavier Files, it's where I do a lot of, lot of stuff. Uh, anyway, next week, do you know what we've got, Adam? I think we got something special planned, right? We do. Uh, you know how we've been, uh, doing just, it started as a joke. You remember how, you remember how X-Men started as a joke for us and now has become Marvel's publishing plan for <laughs> Q2 and Q3? So not a curse anymore. It's the real deal. <laughs> I don't know if it's a curse, but we are going to bring back Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, who are the archetypes, not archetypes, architects. That's probably the right word. Yeah. The architects of the Age of X-Men. And we are going to be diving deep into what fans can expect, how in the world they got this approved, and we're going to answer the question of why. <laughs> and I think that's important for all of us. That is a good question. But until then, this has been Bal the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!